two generations merge into one to spread the good news of God's personal love. With the help of other prominent Christian voices, the gospel is presented in an easy and open way. You just might get the answer to your prayers. Good morning and welcome. This is Godcast, the Good News Network. I'm Katarina here with Barbara Campbell, and we're so excited to be here with you. We're going to be talking about miracles do happen, and we're here with Father Justin and Michael Grogan. You can listen to us on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, the Star of the Sea website, starofthesea.ministries.com. It has all of our information, all of our podcasts, up and coming links. It has great information about the Ella Ella series, the book series that Barbara Campbell. Campbell writes along with her son who does the illustrations and all the great stuff happening at the Starfish Coffee House over at the rectory of St. Francis Church in Greenlawn and the men's group there and all the great stuff happening there. So make sure to check us out on iTunes, on Spotify, on all those great links. You definitely don't have to be a saint or holy to receive a miracle. In fact, in the gospel, most people that received them were pretty messed up, but that's what changed them. That was the turning point. I was just at a prayer group with a woman who had AIDS and was a drug addict, and now she was leading the prayer group without AIDS. What do you think of that? That's a miracle. No AIDS, no drugs, leading the prayer group. And boy, oh boy, was she on fire. And you want to know, was she testifying and telling everybody what the Lord had done like a mad woman? It was awesome. This is kind of an interesting miracle because it's kind of something that the Lord gave and the Lord taketh away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. It was kind of like a holy teaser. I had gone on a Youth 2000 retreat, which is basically 40 hours before the Blessed Sacrament. On Saturday night, they did a Eucharistic procession based on the Gospel of Luke, where the the woman with the hemorrhage reaches out and touches the hem of Jesus's garment, and she's healed. And so the priest, Father Glenn Sedano, said, pray for anybody, anything you want, and you reach out when the priest walks by and grab the humeral veil, and the Lord will heal you. And I wasn't even praying for myself. I was praying for my mother. I was expecting nothing wasn't asking for me, was praying for my mother. And the priest comes around and I touched the humeral veil and the presence of God came over me in such a powerful way that I could not turn my head to the left or to the right. All I could do was look at the monstrance and I realized, as because I was sobbing hysterically through the tears, that I could see the monstrance perfectly, 100% clearly. I could see the host in the monstrance. I could describe the monstrance to you, but I couldn't turn my head to the left, to the right. And I had this experience. I was literally able to just stare into the Blessed Sacrament for a few minutes, and then I prostrated myself on the floor. I was about 14 years old at this point, and I'm crying hysterically. And the thought that was going through my 14-year-old mind at that time was, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm going to be on Oprah, I'm going to be on Donahue, I'm healed, I'm healed. That was what was going through my mind, that I was just praising God. And when I picked my head up, it was back to being legally blind. And I knew that the Lord was saying, the only thing that you need to see 100% clearly in this life is me. Keep your eyes fixed on me and I will take care of everything. And from that weekend on, my life has never been the same.
I mean, I've seen literally a person come back from death to life. Even during COVID, I've seen a woman who was who had less than 2% chance of survival just by processing around the hospital with the Blessed Sacrament on Divine Mercy Sunday, asking for his presence to enter in there at three o'clock after being on a vent for three weeks. They're going to put a trach on her the next day, 2% chance of survival. At three o'clock, the hour of mercy, she came out of the coma. Her numbers started doing better. The next day, she got outside of ICU. The next day, she went to rehab. And the wow. doctor said it was a miracle, Divine Mercy Sunday miracle. So, I mean, there's so many beautiful stories even with the boys at school I, i'm the chaplain on a prep i had a boy in the beginning of the year who was healed of different ailments and a foot injury a shoulder injury kid that needs surgery a spinal back going from 12 degrees to 10 degrees on its own so i i mean i could just share these miracle stories all day with you guys a lot of times the miracles took place in the gospels because of people's faith so the idea is the greater miracle really is the spiritual is the interior is the forgiveness is the mercy a lot of times the physical miracle took place to remind that individual that, yeah, if I could give you sight or if I could cleanse you of your leprosy or if I could literally raise you up out of a mat, well, then I could forgive your sins, you know, and I could give you eternal life. So that's really the greatest healing is the interior one, not the physical. I just want to share a story about that recently. This happened in early this year, in the school year. There was a boy in my school said he was an atheist. He really was an atheist, but you know how they are. They're baptized Catholic. They make their sacraments, but they question their faith. And so this boy was like that. And this one day I was in the hallway and I tried to stand in the hallway by the chapel and just kind of invite them in. So this one day after school, we were having adoration and I was standing outside the chapel. It was at dismissal time and I was inviting the boys, oh, come in the chapel, pay a visit, spend some time with the Blessed Sacrament. So this one boy is walking by and I kind of knew he was an atheist. So I said to him, so-and-so, come into the chapel. And he looks at me and kind of kind of snarky says, oh, Father, you know I don't believe in that stuff. He said, but this, next time you talk to your God, if he's real, I want to know it. So I looked at him and I said, Okay, I will. So that night I was in my cell in the priory and I was praying the rosary and this kind of situation was played out in my head again. And I just started praying for this young boy. And I said, Lord, in a way he's reaching out, he's calling out, he wants to know you. Just do a miracle in his life so he can know your presence, he can experience your love. And I felt the Lord was inspiring me. He really wanted me to pray over this boy. And I kind of said to the Lord, but Lord, he's an atheist. You know, I'm not just going to walk up to him randomly in the hallway and just start praying over him and blessing him. But I felt the Lord really wanted me to pray over him and bless him. So I said to the Lord, I said, okay, if you want me to do this, then you have to set it up. Well, wouldn't you know, the next day, as the boys are coming in the morning, I stand in the hallway, kind of greeting them as they go to their first period. And as I'm standing in the hallway, this boy is dragging his foot down the hallway, literally. And he's walking towards me, dragging his foot, saying, yo, father, I hurt my foot. I don't know what's going on. You you got to bless me. You got to pray over me because I got practice after school. I have a game tomorrow and I want to play. And I don't want to tell my parents because it'll make me go to the doctor and I'll be out for the whole season. Can you do something for me? So I started laughing and I said, oh, that Lord, that was pretty quick. You got me praying over this kid because of his foot. <laughs> In the middle of the hallway, I put my hand on his head and I just start praying, Lord Jesus, heal his foot and just heal him and this and that and the other thing. And I know it doesn't do with his foot, right? It has to do with his heart. But I'm praying the healing of his foot. We're praying a little bit and he has to go to class. So he says, oh, well, it's a little bit better. I could kind of stand on it, but it still hurts. Can I come and see you later to make sure this is 100% okay so I can go to practice after school? So I said, sure, of course. So now it's lunchtime and I'm walking down the hall towards the chapel and I see this boy literally now 
dragging his foot again. And he says to me, yo, father, it's worse. I can't walk anymore. He said, can you pray with me? I said, sure. So we go into the chapel. So we're sitting before the tabernacle, the Blessed Sacrament, and I start praying for him. So I start praying over him and asking Jesus to heal his foot. Now, a doubt came into my head. I said, well, Lord, what happens if his foot doesn't get healed? Is he still going to believe in you? Is he still going to know you and love you? And I just said, you know what? I'm just going to keep trusting that God is going to heal his foot. So I just kept praying that the Lord will heal his foot. And I kept praying and I kept praying. And then he's praying and then he stops. He's like, Father, what's going on? I said, sit down. I said, this has nothing to do with your foot. I said, this has to do with your heart. And I'm saying this has nothing to do with your foot to do with your heart. So I said, this is what Jesus wants to heal. So he stands up. He said, Father, what am I supposed to do? When I'm with you, I, when I can walk. When I'm not with you, I can't walk. What am I supposed to do? I said, well, I said, my favorite line in the gospel is when Jesus said to someone, do you believe I could do this for you? Do you believe I could heal you? The man says, yes, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. And I said, this is what you have to pray. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. So he's saying, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. So now I said, well, how do you feel? So he stands up and he says, oh, my gosh, I don't believe it. My foot's fine. I have no pain. I can walk. I said, you know, the Lord healed you, you know? And he said, well, I needed something like this so I could believe in him because I, I needed a miracle. Maybe he knew that. So then, long story short, I took the kids on a retreat that day. So I left school. It was about 30 boys. So I didn't know how the boy was doing the next day. I was praying for him. So finally, the following week, I go back to school and I see the trainer and I said, oh, how's so-and-so doing? And she said, oh, he's doing much better now. Da, 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 da. So I said, well, how's his foot? Is his foot okay? She said, well, I don't know. His foot His foot wasn't bothering him. What happened was the next day there was a baseball game and he slid into second base and he got a concussion. So now he's out <laughs> for this season. Maybe God had his foot hurt so he wouldn't get a concussion so he'd have to play the baseball game. The whole idea was he wanted his foot healed so he could play baseball and not be out for the season. And now he got a concussion. So again, you got to be careful what you pray for because we prayed for his healing of his foot, but then he got a concussion the next day he's out for the season. So I see the boy and I'm thinking he's going to be upset now because he's out for the season. So I go to him and I said, hey, you know, we got to be careful. We prayed for him. We asked that God healed your foot and your foot was healed. You were able to go to practice. You were able to play the game the next day, but then you slid into second base and you got a concussion. He said, yeah, but that's okay, Father, because my heart is healed. So that's really what the miracles are all about, so that our hearts could be healed. A temptation of Catholics, especially devout Catholics, is to sell suffering when God wants to do miracles. There are times when people are called to suffer. I think that if somebody prayed over Padre Pio for the healing of his stigmata, I don't think that was going to happen. God used that for 50 years. But there's another extreme, which is that we don't pray over anybody for healing of anything, and we just basically run around telling people that there's power in their suffering and to offer it up, and good luck. And that's a hard sell, especially somebody that doesn't have a lot of faith. And I think that the balance is probably somewhere in the middle. I do think that there are people who are part of their vocation is to offer up their sufferings. But I also think God wants to step in and interview much more than we give him credit for. And we don't get because we don't ask. We have to follow the little inspirations that God leads us to. So, for example, in the Bronx, a couple of years ago, there was two kids riding a dirt bike and a car was chasing them, hit the dirt bike. The boy that was driving the dirt bike died and the kid that was on the back of the dirt bike flew to the side, smashed his head into a car and ended up in the hospital. I wanted to go. I forget what all the circumstances, but I ended up at the hospital to pray over the one boy and I went into the intensive care unit and I went in, in my mind, we're going to pray over him. We're going to have a miraculous healing. This is going to be incredible. And I got into the intensive care unit 
and I heard the beeping and saw all the tubes in his nose and his hands. And I said, well, maybe we're not going to be getting a healing here. But I prayed kind of half-heartedly. And Leo was a gang member and, and not doing the right things. And I went in and prayed. And when I walked out, I was with a deacon from a parish. And I said, deacon, he's not going to make it, is he? Yeah, I had just prayed for healing. And I'm walking out. And this is the conversation that we're having in the elevator. As I'm walking out, the mother it says in Spanish, please come again. Please come again. And I said, okay, I'll come tomorrow. And then I said to myself, why did I say that? I don't want to come tomorrow. I, I came once, it's, you know, token visit, but now I had to come again. And when I went the next day, I'm getting in the elevator and the mother's in there and she is smiling and radiant and beaming because I'm there. And I said, how's your son? She said, mucho mejor, much better. I said, much better? What do you mean? I was shocked. I went in, he was grabbing my hand and concha. I couldn't believe it. Little by little, gradually, I went every day and would pray with him. And we saw this miracle unfolding until the doctor came in. And the doctor came in and said, basically, he's going to be a vegetable and you better get ready for long-term care. And I'm thinking, how can this be? He communicates and this and that. But guess what? We believed the doctor. And so we were all upset and the mother was crying and I was upset because the doctor said he was going to be a vegetable. And I went home that night and I went before the Blessed Sacrament and the Lord said to me, you asked for healing. I've shown you that I'm healing him. Whose report are you going to believe? Are you going to believe that I'm the God of healing, the God of wonders, that I am showing up and showing off currently? You didn't come there to be the social worker that helps them to accept what the doctor says. You came there as a shepherd, in a sense, to encourage them to believe in my mighty hand and my mighty power to save. You've seen me begin this miracle. You're going to see me bring it through to the end. You need to go and repent. And I did. I went to the mother and I repented and we pressed in. And wouldn't you know, Leo, to this day, is walking and talking and active and totally, totally fine. The kids were kind of so indifferent when it came to faith and stuff. And I just got there. I kept praying every morning before school, Lord, please perform a miracle for these boys to wake them up so they know your power. They know your healing. This one day I'm in the cafeteria and this boy basically seemed laid out in the bathroom. The coach is running. The nurse is coming with a defibrillator kit and the kid looks like he's dead. He's laid out. So I go in there and I give him absolution, I give him the apostolic pardon, I anoint him, he's not breathing, the, the nurse is checking for vital signs, nothing's there. So she's starting to hook up the defibrillator, she's gonna start shocking his heart. You know, after I gave the sacraments, thinking he was dead, because again, there was no pulse, there was no heartbeat, she was gonna start shocking him. I started to pray the chaplet, the Divine Mercy. That chaplet was such a powerful prayer of healing and deliverance. St. Faustina was told by our Lord to pray for the dying. So he said he would come as a merciful savior. So I just started praying the chaplet, the Divine Mercy, after I gave him the sacraments. All of a sudden, the kid comes too, but it's not him. He starts thrashing, he starts cursing, he's vile, he's doing all these things, and the coach is trying to have him locked position. It looks like he's having kind of like an epileptic fit. And so then I thought, well, maybe he took some type of drug and he's out tripping, but there was a delayed reaction, so I couldn't understand the whole thing. So. I'm behind him as his head is in front of me and body's in front of me and the coach is trying to hold him down. And I have my stole on and the kid's hand comes up to pull off my stole. And then I said, oh, maybe this is something spiritual because I'm not an exorcist, but I've assisted at exorcisms and I've seen the exorcist. And the first thing they do is go for the priest's stole to pull it off because like it's an armor. So the fact that he pulled off the stole was like an armor, you know, like, like disarming me. And then I had my hand down. I started just binding the spirit. And all of a sudden his hand comes up again and he grabs my thumb. And now he's trying to snap off my thumb, but from behind, like he's holding like this. I am behind him, but he has like supernatural strength. So finally another coach comes in, breaks me free. The boy starts coming too. He goes to the hospital and a Apparently, I see the principal that evening, and he said the boy took this thing called spice, he got high, he passed out, 
but it wasn't laced with anything, so they didn't know why the kid had that reaction. And the nurse thought he was dead, and the doctors couldn't understand why he would have died for taking this thing, especially he had no, you know, wasn't laced with anything heavy. And the boy says, though, that he died, and he went to hell, that he felt that I pulled him out of hell, I saved him. So the next day, the kid came to talk to me, and he described hell perfectly. He said, Father, he said, I felt like I died, and I went to hell. I took this thing, I got high, I passed out, and I felt like I died, and went to hell. And he described hell perfectly. He said, Father, I was in a death desert alone. It was a horrible sense of loneliness. And he said, I felt my life was being sucked out of me. He said, then I felt you were there and you were pouring life into me. Wow. Now, I don't know a better definition than the sacrament of that than God pouring life into our souls. So the absolution, the apostolic pardon, and the anointing. He said, you were pouring life into me and you were pulling me out of hell. So the Sisters of Life called me and said there was a young boy who was paralyzed. He jumped into the pool, he hit his head, and he went paralyzed from his waist down. And he's in the hospital, and he's not doing well, and they wanted to know if I could go and visit with him. So I would go and pray with him, and this one day, I was going to anoint him. But for some reason, I thought to myself, let me ask if he made his communion. I said, did you make your Holy Communion? He said, no. I said, well, listen, you don't have to get baptized, but I want to encourage you to receive baptism. And I talked to his parents, and they were Catholic, but for whatever reason, they just never got around to baptizing this boy. Anyway, long story short, I was visiting with him. We were going to have him baptized, so I prepared him for baptism, communion, and confirmation while he was in the ICU. And he started getting better. So this one day, I was taking students to our shrine in Middletown, and we've had a lot of miracles at that shrine. So I got a bus, and I wanted to take one of the teachers at school to be a chaperone with me. So I invited her to come, but she said, Father, I can't. My son, he has scoliosis. We have to go to the doctor tomorrow. He's going to have to wear a brace. She said, but you know what? She said, maybe I should go because I'm going to pray for a healing. On the way to the bus, I'm telling the boys the stories of the different miracles people had there. So I'm telling all these stories. So my friend on the bus says that the, the teacher says, oh, I'm going to pray for my son. He has to go for his back thing. Let's pray that he gets healed of the scoliosis. So I jokingly said, of course, we're on the bus. This boy's mother in the hospital messages me and says, father, can you come to the hospital and pray? Even though he was getting better, they found these infections in my son's spine. He's going to have to stay in ICU. and They're going to have to do emergency surgery tomorrow to clear up the infections in his spine. So I said, well, I'm, I'm in a bus trip up to the, our shrine in Middletown. So after the mass, I'll, I'll be coming back down. I have to drop the boys off at school. They have to get picked up. But then I could stop by the hospital on the way back to the Priory, if you like, but it'll be late. That's okay. Me and my husband will be here. We're not going to go to bed anytime soon. We go back down, drop the kids off at school. They get picked up. So on the way home, I stopped by the hospitals. I get there, the boy's sleeping, but the parents are there. And I started praying over him, asking for healing. The next day I'm at school and I was visiting the grammar school children. So I was reading to the third graders. So then they had some books. It was like a saint's book, a children's Bible and, and another book. So I said to them, I said, okay, boys, what, what do you want me to read to you today? You want me to read from the children's Bible? You want me from Lives of the Saints? What would you like me to read to you? So they said, read from the children's Bible. So I said, okay, let's pray. You know, St. Francis had the tradition to pray to the Holy Spirit and randomly open up the Bible. And whatever passage comes out, that's what God wants us to hear. So I said, let's pray to the Holy Spirit and let's ask the Holy Spirit to inspire us. So we'll randomly open up the Bible and see what passage comes out. And we're really praying the Holy Spirit. I open up this children's Bible. It falls on the, it says, Jesus healed the paralyzed boy. Boys, I forgot to tell you, there's a boy I prayed with last night. He's going to go for surgery today. I said, we have to pray that Jesus heals him. His peace paralyzed. Let's pray that Jesus heals him. So we're praying for this boy to be healed. So now it's after school. I figured the boy already had the surgery during the day. I messaged a mother after school and I just said, how is your son doing? So now 520, I get a message and the mother says to me, father, I don't believe it. All the infections are gone. They don't have to do the spinal surgery. He's fine. He's leaving wow. ICU. 
and he's going to Burke Rehab. Now, he's still paralyzed. The fact of the matter is he was healed, and those boys prayed for his healing. Right after I got that message, the coworker of mine texts me x-rays from before and after. The boy was going to have a second x-ray of her son with the spine. And literally, you can see in the x-ray, his spine was like this. It miraculously went like this. He didn't need wow. a brain. So within a 24-hour period, St. Therese did two major miracles for these boys, both on their spines. There's another type of miracle. It was the miracle of God's providence. This one involves Father Justin, too. And I was living on Arthur Avenue in the Bronx, and it was Thanksgiving, and I had taken in one young man who was selling guns from his projects, and he was living with me, and another one who was stealing cars. And it was Thanksgiving, and we were going to have a big Thanksgiving party. And guess what? I had nothing. My refrigerator was empty. I was penniless. I had nothing. Thing. And I was going to cancel the party and just figure it out. Go beg. So I had all these people that were supposed to come. But the Lord said to me, don't do that. Go to mass. Just go to mass. So I went to mass and made adoration. And I came back. And all of the sudden, Alexis shows up. And the guy rings the bell. I have no idea who this guy is. And when I met him, he seemed a little flaky. He turned out to be one of my best friends. The hatchet of the Lexus opens up and there is boxes and boxes and boxes of food. Now, I had a little apartment. There was so many boxes that the families came for this party. I had to send them home with boxes of food and then come back so that we could have the party so that there'd be enough space. Father Justin had no idea any of this was going on, but he sent Timothy that they, the Mother Teresa sisters had all this extra food. They didn't know what to do with it. And Father Justin said to Timothy, why don't you go bring some of this food up to Michael Grogan? And Timothy said, who's Michael Grogan? But that day, my refrigerator was empty. My pockets were empty. We had people coming and the Lord told me, wait, don't cancel. My life is filled every single day. Every day I get a Providence miracle. things, Katarina, I loved about today was that we talked about miracles in many different dimensions. Did you notice that? Yeah, we hit a lot of different bases about how Justin saying about the faith and that how the Lord wants to heal us interiorly and that that mirrors the physical healing. That He really wants to have our heart. He really wants us to be connected with Him, to know how much He loves us personally. And then I loved how Michael was talking about in the end providence and how God provides and trusting. I think those are two key elements to miracles and that a lot of times it's the simple everyday miracles of trusting in the Lord for every little step of the way just to get us through the day, just to trust that, okay, God, am I supposed to be working here? Am I supposed to be doing this? Am I supposed to be praying with somebody right now or am I supposed to go take a walk? I feel like a lot of little things we can relate to with little miracles. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that one of the things about it is that they make things so simple. They're talking about major, major miraculous things yes. that should be on the front pages of every newspaper. newspaper and on Facebook and Instagram and every place else. And they're talking about them as if it's almost like not an everyday thing, but yeah, God did this. Can you imagine? It kind of brings it to the place where you can say, okay, so the Lord wants to do miracles. As Michael Grogan said, miracles of provision happen every day for him. So I think we have to start thinking of miracles. It's kind of like a challenge, a way to experience God each day. But we think of it as, the invitation is to think of it as something that's going on every day. And what is God going to do today? Like be expecting of him. What God is going to do today, like expecting 
I like the word that you said, expecting the miracle to happen. Yeah, what's he going to do? Yeah, like that faith and like, yes, he's the God of miracles and he can do great things to help us be aware of the great things that he's doing in our little everyday nuances and to have a, a different view. Certainly, Mike and Brother Justin talked often about the miracle of the heart. So I remember learning that very shortly after I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. I remember hearing that from a mentor who was teaching me how to pray or teaching us how to pray for healing. And he said that the real miracles are the miracles of the heart. And I can definitely understand and attest to that after years and years of counseling. Those are the real miracles when people's hearts are transformed and conversion happens. Because it's not just a one-time thing. It's your whole life takes a 180. You know, it's not like, oh, okay, my leg is healed. I could walk and just be the same. But it's literally like I can never be the same again. I like how they were saying, like, no turning back. Once you experience God's love, once you just want to do everything for God, and there's just, there's nothing else better. And to me also, the great part about today was that it kind of demythologizes the concept of miracles, not just bringing it down to earth, but also the atheist story, you know, that Father Justin told us that it was like, so you don't have to be a holy, absolutely amazing person to have a miracle happen. I think that's really interesting. And I've heard that in so many instances and in my own life, even I've seen where people who didn't believe in the Lord received miracles quicker than people who actually did believe in the Lord. So that part and then the, the whole idea of the heart being transformed, it was just like a different take. And then again, Michael's story about seeing at that moment, like knowing, yeah, God could restore his sight. God actually restored his sight. And then it disappeared. Him being okay and seeing how God wanted to use that, which he says is his passport into the world of the poor and gangs and homeless people because they trust him. And Lazarus' story, that was beautiful, right? Yeah, with the boy. I mean, that kind of like scared me a little bit. It did? Yeah, because it's like he went to hell and he like felt these demons. I feel like people need to also understand that message too. God wants to heal them so that bad things don't happen to them and that they're not sucked into this. It was just a very opening kind of story for me. With this COVID experience, I think we've all had a sense of what isolation can to our minds, even though we know there's people out there, but can you imagine what that would be like to be totally isolated? But I think that the whole idea of what Father Justin was saying was how the Lord just, again, we've talked about this so many times, meets people where they're at. He doesn't say you have to straighten out and then I'll heal you. And so many people say, oh, I I don't deserve to be healed or, well, God's not going to heal me or that's not going to work out for me because I'm not a person who goes to church. People say crazy things like that. They really want God and they really want their life to be different or to have that healing, whatever it may be, but they kind of like a wall or a barrier and like, I'm not ready yet. And that's like a human emotion. And then like... Hopefully at one point they get to experience God's love and to break through for that so that they can become even better a person that God wants them to be filled with love and strength and not to be afraid. I don't know what your two favorites are, but I love the Thanksgiving story. 
because I think because I relate to that because that's happened so many times in my life where we had no idea what we were going to do or how we were going to do it and God kept saying no you'll be able to do it and isn't that incredible how all those boxes arrived yes for him and he had to give it away he had to give some of the food I mean that's like right out of scripture yeah that was my well that was like Mother Teresa and I was just like whoa but that happened to him too that's so cool yeah what happened to her I love that what a cool combo we definitely want to hear more about what they have to say and receive it we want to encourage everyone out there to receive it because when we testify God does it again. That's what testify means. It means tell the story and God will do it again because he backs up his word. He promises to back up his word with signs and wonders. I want to just say to our listeners, thank you again for listening to Godcast, a good news network. I'm Katarina here with Barbara, Father Justin, Michael Grogan, and you can listen to us on StarOfTheSeaMinistries.com, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and just check us out. We have up-and-coming shows on YouTube as well, iTunes, a lot of different platforms.